Thanks, Charlene, and good work with some of those tricky names. You got one of those passages. Um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Viv, and it's a joy to be back here uh, preaching from God's Word. Um, how about I pray for us and ask that God would help us clearly tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be gathered as your family, um, to have heard your word speak, uh, be spoken to us. Um, and God, now I ask that you'd speak to us. You'd soften hearts, prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Um, God, help me remember the words that are going to be helpful for us here tonight um, and help me forget um, what won't be helpful. Um, God, I pray that you would be glorified um, and that we would hear you clearly, clearly tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I get the task of wrapping up the letter to the Colossians that we've been spending time in um, over the past few weeks. And I reckon it's a part of the Bible that we often neglect, right? You get through the first chunk, you're like, oh, this is great, God's speaking to me through all these things. You get to the end, you're like, oh, I might drop off here. Um, God surely can't say something to me through this. Um, well, tonight, God's going to speak to us through this part of the Word, um, but I reckon we have a lot of those moments in our lives, don't we? Um, moments when we begin to drop off with things. Um, it might be that car that you or your parents have. Um, the, the goal was to keep it looking new, to keep it sparkling new. Sorry, I had to put Mater in. I just felt like it was necessary. But the goal was to keep it sparkling new. You washed it weekly. You kept it spotless. But then that became an annual wash. And then it became a, oh, I'll leave it out in the rain when it rains, and it looks like that. Um, but for you, it might be that you're a uni student. I feel like I don't have to explain this, but you started your semester well. In fact, you were ahead, you were optimistic. And, you know, a few weeks in, you're crushed under the weight of your assignments and your unwatched lectures. Thank you. Um, it's good to hear you're struggling, Adam. Um, <laughs> It could be that job that you have, though. You started out as a fresh, new employee. Um, you were the early bird. You're there to get your job done, and then some more. Um, but now you just rock up on time. Uh, you do the bare minimum. You get the job done, and then you get out of there. Or perhaps it's your journey with God at the moment. You've come to know Jesus. You've been on fire for Jesus You've seen him at work in your life, transforming your life. And you've begun to share that with others. Share that with everyone around you, anything around you. But now, perhaps that last part has disappeared. The last part has disappeared in your life. The last two COVID years have left you so drained that sharing Jesus is at the bottom of your list. Is this you? Because it definitely is me. And so it feels hypocritical to be up here preaching on a passage that says that we need to be proclaiming Jesus. But tonight, you and I, we're going to spend time being reminded that because of what we've seen over the last few weeks of the book of Colossians, of the fact that Jesus is supreme over all things, of the fact that he gives us fullness in our lives, we're to share him. Because of those things, we're now to share him. We're to share the good news. We're to share the gospel. We're to proclaim his name. If you remember at the start of our series in Colossians, Paul started 
he started off giving thanks for the way that God was at work in and through the gospel. And now at the end, he's returning to it um, as he encourages the Colossians to partner with him in that. And where to partner with him in this mission too? As people who know Jesus, where to partner in this mission of proclaiming his name, of proclaiming the gospel. That's our mission. Yet you might be here tonight and you might not even know who God is. And if that's you, we're stoked to have you here. Um, and we're, hopefully tonight you're going to see just how much God wants you to know his love. But you might be here sitting, to, sitting here tonight thinking, I'd love to, I'd long to share the gospel. I want to proclaim the gospel. But you're weighed down with burdens and you're weary. Perhaps you're even unsure of how to proclaim Jesus. Well, tonight we're going to see that we are to be proclaiming the gospel, um, but we're not going to be doing that alone. We all have a role to play in this. So as people who proclaim the gospel, the first thing that we're going to see is that it involves prayer. So if you have your Bibles, come with me uh, to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2, it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer. I mean, thanks, Paul. We Like, we get it. It's the go-to prayer point, right, in your Bible study and when you're struggling to think of, what do I pray for? But look at the first word of this verse with me. Devote. When we're devoted to something, it becomes part of all parts of our lives. I mean, take devoted cyclists, for example. I know there's at least one in here. Devoted cyclists have this thing where cycling shapes what they talk about, what they wear, their tan lines, their leg hair. It shapes every part of them. Sam, do you do you agree? Yeah, there we go. It shapes every part of them. That's a devotion to cycling. And yet I wonder if this is reflected in how we come to God in prayer. A devotion to prayer. Because a devotion to prayer, it isn't, you know, occasionally speaking to God, but it's through devoting yourself to spend time in God's presence as you speak to Him. It's not just simply asking God for things, but being watchful and thankful. It's a life where prayer is you speaking to God about all that's happening, where you're expectantly looking forward to His reply, His answer, and you're thankful for what he's doing. That's a devotion to prayer. Devotion to prayer isn't one that just ticks things off the list, but it's authentic, right? It comes up when you're driving, when you're shopping, when you're hanging out with friends, when you're acknowledging that you need God in every single part of your life. Because without a devotion to prayer, without um, us being devoted to speaking to God, we're going to do, be doing life on our own. And when you say it out loud, it, it sounds pretty silly, right? It's like in that struggle to open a jar. You know, that jar which you can't open. You go through the pain, you go through the sweat, your hand sore, and then you ask someone else to try and do it at the last minute when you're like, I really can't do this. How much more do we do this with God? 
we struggle, we toil, and then we ask others to others into that problem who have the same power as us. But we forget about asking the one who can do it all, speaking to the one who can do it all. So Paul's reminded us to be devoted to prayer. But he doesn't just say to pray, but he tells us what to pray for. So look at verse 3 with me. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door. And at this point, I think it'd be helpful for us to know that Paul isn't writing this by the side of a beach, but he's writing this in prison. And so I think it'd be natural to expect that God, that Paul's asking God, would you get me out of here? Would you give me a literal open door? But here Paul prays, he asks for prayer that God would open a door that the gospel would be proclaimed. The mystery of Christ would be proclaimed. I mean, this is Paul, like he's a spiritual powerhouse. If you know anything about the Bible, uh, Paul is a spiritual powerhouse and he isn't asking that he just might be freed. But he's asking that the gospel would go out, that there would be opportunities to proclaim the gospel, that hearts and minds would be open to it. That's what he's praying for. He realizes that people need the gospel and not him. So that's why if we're to be people that are proclaiming the gospel, if we're to be set on that, our lives are to be soaked in prayer. Like We aren't the ones who open the doors. God opens them. We aren't the ones transforming hearts. God transforms them. He's the one doing that, and so we need to invite him into that. So don't go about this mission doing it on your own, because you aren't on your own. In fact, you cannot do it alone. You cannot do it without prayer. If we're to proclaim the gospel, we're to be people of prayer. And the second thing is we're also to be people who proclaim. That's right. To proclaim the gospel, we're to proclaim. But it isn't the way that you expect it. It's a bit like show and tell. Um, I'll explain it. Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, I reckon often when we're proclaiming the gospel, we can, we can often emphasize what we tell rather than what we show. Yet here Paul is saying, be wise in that way, in how we act, in what we show. He's acknowledging that we are going to be living lives with those who don't know of Jesus. And for us to be able to have opportunities to share the gospel, our lives should be that attractive. They should be that attractive that they simply point to Jesus. That people would ask you why throughout your, throughout your day, throughout your week. You know, why do you say no to going to a party on a Friday night or a Sunday night? Why do you not take yourself too seriously and care about what others think? Why isn't that what rules your life? Why do you choose not to get drunk at these parties with us? And why are you so open about your weaknesses and your brokenness? If people are asking you these things, I want you to be encouraged. Because when people ask you these things, it shows that you're living a life where the why points to Jesus. And naturally, as you, as you do this, as you live lives that show who Jesus is, 
there are going to be opportunities to proclaim the gospel, to tell people. And verse 5 says, make the most of every opportunity. Um, As a kid growing up, um, I don't know if your parents are like this, but we had a rule in our house um, that if it wasn't on special, we wouldn't buy it. And if it was on special, we'd buy it. And it meant, it, it got to the point that we'd often buy things which we didn't need. It's like, well, you know, why do we have 10 bottles of dishwashing liquid when we don't need that much? Because it was on special. Um, is this anyone here or is it just me? Oh, wow, there we go, cool. Um, so if you bought it, it was on special. If you didn't, it was because it wasn't. Um, my parents instilled this in me. They made me make the most of every opportunity for a bargain. Every opportunity uh, to make the most of a special. And I think it's a similar thing in what we're meant to be doing with making the most of every opportunity to proclaim the gospel. But it goes further than that. It's not just the easy options, right? The easy opportunities, the easy bargains that we're to grab. But it's also the tough and the uncomfortable ones. So make the most of opportunities to invite your friends and your family to things like UFC, to cafe night, Um, to the peace tent, to all these things. But grab the tough ones as well. Seek the tough opportunities out. For ones where you need to trust that despite the risk of judgment, despite the risk of broken relationships, that the gospel is more important than anything else. That's what I need to remind myself of. And as you do these things, you'll get to the point when you can answer people about what the gospel is. And when you answer, share with grace. Notice I said when, not if. There will be opportunities for you. um, And when that happens, we need to remember that we're to respond with conversations full of love and grace and mercy. One that seeks to listen rather than jump to an answer. One that shows love rather than speaks judgment into someone's life. Because for this gospel of grace to come across, it needs to come across with grace. That's how we proclaim him. Verse 6 says, We are to let our conversations be filled with grace, seasoned with salt, so that we would know how to answer everyone. And please remember this, it's not just for the paid members of staff, it's not just for the extroverts, because they have more capacity to do it, it's for everyone. This is how you answer. And I feel like it can be a daunting thing for many of you to hear this. But Paul isn't saying, oh, this is the list of things that you need to remember to proclaim the gospel. He's saying this is what you need to, this is how you are to answer people. This is how you might share with someone the love that Jesus has shown you. And we all have a role to play in this, which leads to our need to partner with each other as we proclaim Jesus. So, I reckon there are many easy tasks in this world, and I don't think sharing Jesus is one of them. There are joys that come with it, but there's also tough times. Proclaiming Jesus can be tough. 
So no matter who you are, no matter where you're proclaiming the gospel, how you might be proclaiming it, there are going to be moments when you're going to be discouraged. Moments when you're going to really need others praying for you because you can't bring yourself to pray for yourself. Times when suffering is going to be that present that you're going to need people to be there to comfort you. So if that's you here tonight and you're feeling those things, know you aren't alone. Know that sharing Jesus is tough. But you need to know this. We need people to partner with in the gospel. And we have an example of that um, from verse 7 to 18. So no matter your experience, no matter how equipped you are, your personality type or the role that you have, you need others. And we're going to look at three key examples of that in this little chunk of scripture. And we're going to see what um, partnership in the gospel does. So firstly, it brings encouragement. So look at verse 8 with me. Um, In verse 8, we see that Tychicus is being sent to the Colossians, that they may know all that Paul is doing and be encouraged. I mean, Paul hasn't, the Colossians hadn't even met Paul, and here they are being encouraged by what Paul is doing. There's a reason why I think as Christians, we love hearing about what is, what God is doing in the lives of others, um, of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it be here, whether it be in Greenacre. We love being reminded of what God's doing around the world because it reminds us that God is actually at work. That his gospel is transforming lives and it brings encouragement to us. And it should be said it should go the other way as well. Do you share with others what Jesus is doing as you're proclaiming the gospel in how you are proclaiming the gospel? Um, Secondly, partnering in the gospel brings comfort. Look at verse 10 with me. Here you have Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, who are Paul's fellow um, Jewish co-workers, and he says, they have provided, they have proved a comfort to me. And I mean, Paul needed comfort. He'd suffered a great deal. Here he is in prison after suffering from a lot of persecution, and he's writing from jail. And we're not told of how Paul is comforted here, but I can imagine that it both came from a distance and it was practically close. The comfort that comes in knowing that you have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ walking alongside you, feeling what you feel, rejoicing when you rejoice, mourning when you mourn, being practically supportful of you. It might be that only Christian you have at work. It might be that Christian that you have, that friend at school or uni. That person who knows who, as 2 Corinthians 1 says, the God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And thirdly, partnership in the gospel, it brings people who wrestle in prayer for you. Verse 12, Epaphras, we're told, is constantly wrestling in prayer for the Colossians. Like we've seen that prayer is needed to proclaim the gospel. And here Epaphras is wrestling for prayer in prayer for the church in Colossae. Now it's not like Epaphras is a big sumo wrestler. I'm not getting at that. Don't read that incorrectly. But Epaphras is wrestling in prayer because prayer isn't easy. 
Prayer naturally isn't easy for us. It takes effort. It takes discipline. And we need others to be wrestling in prayer for us. And we need to be doing the same for others. Um, I could keep going here on this topic of wrestling in prayer, but one key area I see this needing to happen is when you share prayer points. So make the most of this time when you do share prayer points, whether it's in your small groups or youth group, to share your needs, to share your burdens with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Wrestle in prayer for them. But not only that, don't keep it insular. Share prayer points about who you're proclaiming the gospel to, who you need God to be at work in. Remember our need to bring him into this. So this is why we need to proclaim the gospel in partnership with others. To have people that bring you encouragement. To have people that comfort you when it's tough. To have people that wrestle in prayer for you and vice versa. Do you have people in your life that do that? Because if not, look around. We're all needed to do this. You're all needed right now to partner in proclaiming the gospel. And the scary part for some of you is that it doesn't happen if you don't ask people. You need to ask people. Ask what you can pray for. How they're going in walking with God. How they're going in sharing the gospel. And it doesn't happen without rocking up to church, small groups, catching up with others outside of your Sunday. We pray, we proclaim in actions and words, and we partner with others so that others may experience what we have been reminded in the book of Colossians. A relationship with Jesus. The one who's supreme over all things. Who brings fullness to our lives and wants in on our lives. Who wanted in so much that he would come down, live the perfect life for us, suffer the most horrendous death for you and for me, so that we might know our Heavenly Father, that you might be brought out of darkness and into life, that all might come to know what it means to find fullness, joy, peace, and love in Him. This is why Paul is in chains in verse 18, that all would come to know the love of God. So as we've been reminded in the book of Colossians, let's continue to seek the things above put to death the earthly in us, clothe ourselves in Christ's likeness, but also to proclaim his name. Let me pray that God would help us do that. Heavenly Father, we have so much to thank you for, for all that you've done in our lives, for the ways you've transformed so many of our lives. And God, help us not keep that to ourselves. Help us know the need to proclaim just how amazing this good news is this gospel of what Jesus has done, of the love that you have for us. God, we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need to speak to you in prayer. But we also need to partner in the gospel with one another. So help us do that. Equip us by your spirit to be doing that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.